It's so densely populated that they're running out of room to build horizontally, and that's why you'll see in a lot of third world pictures that people really are living on top of each other. From the alleyways that they're living in to even squatter villages, there are so many people and not enough room. There are people following so many different types of cultures and religious systems that don't provide life for them. And with all these overwhelming people, I really do believe that this is why God has called Kelsey and I to make a difference. The Filipino people are desperately in search of hope, and we have the hope that they're looking for, and His name is Jesus. God's been able to provide many opportunities for Kelsey and I to serve together, and we believe that this is the season of our life where we are ready to go and make a difference. When we get to the Philippines, we'll start by learning the language and adapting to the new culture, alongside working with current missionaries Lance and Melanie Gocher. In time, we will plant and develop churches all throughout the Philippines. Nothing is too big for God. And so when we ask ourselves, what would God use our lives for? We really have some big goals that we think God can accomplish. We want to see 200 churches planted in the country of the Philippines. And in doing that, before we die, we want to see the 30 unreached people groups reached with the gospel of Jesus. We have heard the call of God on our lives to take the gospel to Southeast Asia, and we are saying yes. The Filipino people cannot respond to the gospel unless somebody goes and tells them. And we believe that God wants us to use our lives to take the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to them so that they can hear about him and respond in a way that would change their eternity. In Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, we get a look into the future of what the end of the world is going to look like. And one day, before the throne, there will be represented people from every tribe, every nation, and every tongue. And we want to partner with you. We know this really isn't about us. It's about seeing every tribe and nation represented before the throne. So would you partner with us? This is an eternal investment, and you can be sure that it will not return void. People here and around the world will be impacted because of your prayers and because of your gifts. There are souls, opportunities, and ministries that are waiting there for us right now. Would you partner with us not only through prayer, but even financially, that we would be able to go now and reach them in time? Well, good morning, Revolution Church. Are you guys excited to be here this morning? I'm going to need just a little more energy. Man, I, I'm excited, and I'm just incredibly thankful uh, that you guys would let a couple of strangers in uh, to be able to communicate with you guys, to shake your hand, and, and just to say thank you. Um, I, I'm incredibly grateful for even the worship team. Can we give it up for the worship team this morning? I mean, you guys killed it. Thank you to the greeters, the guys in the back. Here's a little thing about the sound, the audio, and the visual people. You know they're doing a good job when you don't know they exist. And so you guys are doing an incredible job back there. Thank you so much. And I'm just grateful that you guys... Uh, mesh well together as a church family. And it's an honor to be here. I'm grateful to learn about you guys and a little bit of your history. And so this morning, we'll get to be able to share a little bit about what Kelsey and I are going to be doing in the Philippines. Uh, we just got approved as uh, missionaries to the Philippines through the BBFI, which is the Baptist Bible Fellowship International, just this past May. And so Kelsey and I have been trying to just work our tails off to raise money so that we can get there as quickly as we can to share 
share the gospel, to plant churches all throughout the Philippines. And so before we get into some pictures, we got some pictures that Kelsey and I went on a uh, survey trip recently to see uh, not only places like, man, where are we going to live? And what is shopping going to look like? But also, man, where, where would God have us plant our first church? And so we'll be able to share some pictures with you guys this morning. But before we get into things, um, my wife is actually going to be able just to tell you a little bit about herself. Uh, we know we only have one day with you guys, really just one afternoon. And so to the best of our ability, we, we want you guys to get to know us. So if you guys would just welcome up my wife as she just shares a little bit about her testimony and a little bit of her heart for the Philippines as well. Good morning. Okay, so um, when I was a freshman at Missouri State University, I heard and really for the first time understood the gospel. I had grown up going to church maybe a few times Christmas and Easter. We had a little bit of a Catholic background, and then depending on where we lived, maybe that would be the church that we would attend very infrequently. And so I didn't have anything like this, so it's so encouraging to see so many young people, like there are so many youth even, like this morning. I'm just so encouraged to see them, um, especially getting up early, like on a Sunday. I would never do that. And so um, I came to Christ in college after hearing uh, the gospel message, and what was so interesting to me is the woman who shared the gospel with me, she was very persistent. So if you think about your own walk with Christ and maybe what it looked like when you responded to the gospel, like, did you hear it just one time? Probably not. You probably heard it multiple times and it sunk in finally at some point and you maybe made a decision to follow Christ. But for me, it took a year and a half. And so this woman, she was 25 years old. She worked for campus ministry and she basically just was so persistent and asked me questions that nobody ever asked me before, things about eternal matters and things about my personal life. And I just, it all clicked for me when I was a sophomore in college. And so I gave my life to Christ after hearing the gospel message and understanding that I was a sinner and needed a savior. And I had never really heard that before. Um, and so after that, I remember hearing about these unreached people groups of the world, hearing about world missions and I grew up in Missouri, born and raised, and never have lived anywhere else except now Texas. And so, to me, I had never even considered anyone but myself, um, honestly. Unless I watched the news, that was the only time I'd be thinking about somebody across the world. And you might resonate with that, but a lot of you here, maybe you do already pray for people across the world to hear the gospel, but I had never done that. So it started small with praying for different people, groups that maybe had never heard the gospel, people who had no access to it, no missionaries, um, or even just praying in general for the persecuted church. That just changed my heart. And I remember I was asked by the lady who led me to Christ, uh, do, you, like, do you see yourself, what do you see yourself doing? And I was like, I don't really know. I'm like in college and I'm paying for this degree, but it doesn't really line up with what I like feel called to do. But I had never heard of ministry as a job. Nonetheless, ever heard of missions. And so um, she walked me through what that could look like. I fast forward, worked for the same ministry for about five years. And I met Andrew about four years into working for that ministry. And I remember on our first date, which I wouldn't recommend this, but <laughs> we were talking about, oh, what are you going to do in a couple years? Like, what do you see yourself doing? Because we're trying to see, like, are, are we meshing here? Like, what we're going to do with our futures? And he tells me he's going to be a missionary. And I was like, cool. I have no idea what to do with that. <laughs> because at that point, I'm like, I've never even considered being a missionary. And so I'll say this, like, it was really sweet because I already knew I wanted to be in ministry. I had been working in ministry. But opening my eyes, I guess the Lord really showed me that it wasn't about like, oh, I needed this like, oh, moment where it was like, Kelsey's going to be a missionary. But it was, I just needed to be obedient to whatever God would call me to do. So the first step was 
obedient in following him and surrendering my life to Christ. Second step was being obedient and surrendering to ministry. And then here was another opportunity to be obedient and surrender to being a full-time missionary. So that is kind of where we ended up, obviously, together. And we dated and got engaged and married. And then we moved to Granbury, Texas, which Andrew will tell you a little bit about. But um, I think just the whole thing is so sweet, and especially with your young people the earlier that you can hear about world missions and get involved, like it's so important because I, I feel like, oh, wow, I missed out on like so much and I'm only 28 years old. But um, it is so exciting and I'm really excited for what God's going to do and we love to share it with y'all. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kelsey. Yes, don't worry. It, it worked out. Even though the first date was a little rough, somehow I landed the plane. I got a ring on her finger. And how you know it's really going well is Kelsey is expecting our first child. So we're excited. We're grateful, which also means some challenges in the future because uh, not only have we never had uh, a child before, but we don't even know what it's like taking a, a five-month-old all the way across the world to the Philippines. And so you're already looking at us and you're like, wow, they need prayer. You're exactly right. We need lots of prayer. I wouldn't be foolish and say we have it all figured out. We, we desperately need your prayer, and, and we need God to help lead us and guide us. And so kind of Kelsey mentioned, um, I graduated from Baptist Bible College uh, two years ago now uh, in Springfield, Missouri, and that's really where I, I was able to study intercultural studies is what they call it now, but really what it is is a missions degree. And what they really do is just teach you uh, in the Bible and even in a practical sense, man, how do you take the gospel? How do you uh, plant the church in a culture, in a country that's different from your own? And I just fell in love with that program. And it was after I uh, was getting close to graduating that I met Kelsey. And Kelsey's like, hey, even if we don't end up together, I, I think God is, is calling me to missions. And so thank the Lord he allowed us to be together. And we got married uh, a little over two years ago, two and a half years ago. We're, we're almost on the three-year mark. So for those of you guys who have been uh, married for quite some time, we're catching up. We're almost there. I know that's not how it works, but I like to think it does. But anyway, uh, thank you for those who gave me your pity laughs. I love it. Thank you. Um, but we are so grateful. Like I said, we uh, were in Granbury, Texas. I was the student pastor there for a little over two years, and Kelsey got to work at a local pregnancy center where she got to help a lot of single moms and, and a lot of people just re really in some desperate uh, places. And Kelsey uh, did some spiritual counseling there, got to share the gospel with um, who knows how many uh, desperate Desperate, desperate people out there. And um, how many have you seen come to Christ through that ministry? Three last years. So God is, is moving. Um, that's an incredible ministry. I don't know if there is a local pregnancy uh, center here, but if so, man, uh, volunteer. Get involved in some way because, um, man, the local church can really make an impact on, on the community. But um, So I transitioned just recently out of student ministry. Kelsey and I are now full-time support raising, and it has been fun. Uh, we're actually, I love traveling, so Kelsey and I, we uh, like to get in the car, or if it's a plane, like you name it, we like seeing new places. And so speaking of traveling, just uh, this past May, we got to take a survey trip. And so just to get your guys' minds thinking uh, about, man, what does the Philippines look like, and how does it differ from Pearland, or how does it differ from Houston? Uh, and so if you're thinking at population-wise, the Philippines as a whole has a little bit uh, close to about 115 million people. Whoa. Like, that's crazy. 
And in Metro Manila, which includes Manila, which is the capital city, and a lot of the surrounding cities, there's around 24 million people. Keeping in mind that all of the Philippines, which is comprised a little more uh, than 7,000 islands, can fit inside two-thirds of California. So so there's a lot of people in a very small place, and that's why this need uh, for people to plant churches, for people to to reach into these communities is, is... more important now than ever before. I think just a recent study that one of my pastors at at my church shared with me is of the five five top-growing countries in the world, Philippines is number five. And so there's only more people being born, only more opportunities to share the good news of Jesus and to make disciples. But to kind of put that into terms where we understand for the United States, for the 23, which is about 2020 statistic, the 23 million people in the Philippines, it rounds itself out to about 111,000 people per square mile. Whoa. A little different from Texas. Like, I've, I'm kind of a city boy. I grew up in Arizona. And so I remember when we moved to Texas to drive and to see all the land. And I was like, what is that thing? It's a cow. Like, the cows exist. Like, they're not just in children's books. Like, they act, people actually have fields with cows and cattle and farm. And there's lots of land. But, man, when we got to visit the Philippines, they're, they're like, at, fresh out of room. There's, like, nowhere to go. And so there is, uh, it is a, one of the top most densely populated cities in the world. And so kind of comparatively speaking to New York City, which we know is like, man, this is the hustle and bustle of the United States. Uh, New York City, New York is about 8.3 million people, which rounds itself out to about 27,000 people per square mile. So the Philippines is significantly larger, significantly more densely populated. And so they're in desperate need of missionaries. Uh, if you're thinking about kind of the religious demographic we have like a chart here for you basically roman catholicism is is the dominant religion of the philippines and what's so heartbreaking about that is man it is not you can come to jesus christ just through faith according to what he's written in the scriptures according to god's mercy alone like you have i've i'm kind of a city boy i grew up in arizona and so Oh, nice. Uh, nothing's worse than two Andrews on stage. I think one will just do. But, like, as far as Roman Catholicism goes, man, this is dominating the Philippines, like, everywhere. And it's not even just, uh, just like, Catholicism as we're thinking, but also it's fused in with a lot of idolatrous worship that you see in Asia, maybe from China that comes over into the Philippines. And so you'll see these cathedrals, I mean, beautiful buildings, but, man, just filled with no hope. Outside of these cathedrals, you'll see even these uh, Chinese statues, these, these idols, and uh, pretty much how it works in the Philippines as far as Catholicism goes is you can worship whatever you want so long as Mary is on top. And so th- this is the difficult thing that we struggle with, but maybe is even a way that God has been equipping Kelsey and I as we've lived in two different places that people might describe as the Bible Belt, is a lot of the times you have to get people lost before they even understand that they need a Savior. And so, man, it's difficult in the Philippines because you might bring up the name Jesus and, oh, yeah, yeah, I know Jesus, I know But they don't really know the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus who has literally come to die for all of your past, present, and future sins. There's no way that we can work to God. And so this is a fresh, like, idea in their heads. If you were to ask them, man, do you know for sure if you were to die today where you would go? The common response is this. Well, Well, no, but nobody can know that. 
And so there's an opportunity for the gospel like never before because I believe God has really set up the Philippines in this way that people are maybe warmed up to the idea of Jesus but have no idea who he is. And so we're excited to be able to, to tackle that, that challenge. As you can see in green is Christian claiming cults, which Christian claiming cults and Islam right now are both around 6%. And so uh, those you can, if you're, actually not a lot of them exist here in America, but there's one specifically called Iglesia Ni Cristo and another one uh, where they, uh, well, maybe we can get into later, but essentially it's all just a perversion of, of scripture. It, it's a way that they can take maybe a specific passage like this Iglesia de Cristo cult, they believe like, yeah, sure, you can be saved, but the only way you can be saved is if you're actually in the physical building when the rapture happens. Because the building will be taken up. I was like, oh, that's cool. I like space. It's kind of like a rocket. But no, like it, it's just like no hope at all. And Islam is, is rapidly spreading uh, all around the world, not only in just the Philippines. And then this Protestant denomination, which includes those that maybe uh, we wouldn't, fellowship with but is include included in on this kind of broad stroke of uh and then we see in the atheistic and agnostic as well is is growing rapidly a lot of the philippines uh likes to emulate um things that are happening here in the west in, in america uh they have a large love for america and i think it really dates back to america coming in during the time of world war ii helping free them from spanish rule and that like developed an incredible relationship between the two, and now uh, they get to, to, to work together. They, they welcome in Americans. But one thing that, uh, as far as the negative side goes, is they copy a lot of the things, even here in America, that, that are just destroying our country and, and destroying the faith and destroying the nuclear family. And so we can see a lot of the trends that are happening here in the West start to show up in the Philippines and um, so when we're thinking about just the ways that we've been able to, to visit, um, this is a skyline that we were able to, to see uh, from a, a private school up there, a private Christian school that uh, we pray our kids will be able to attend one day. But that is kind of the skyline of, of Metro Manila. Lots of buildings, lots of cities, lots of people, and a lot of people to reach. So that was kind of the 23 million that we were making reference towards. And when I, uh, I think about just the opportunities that are available to us, uh, what we are really hoping to do, and this is a picture of the staff there in the Philippines, um, is we like to do these things called manna feeding centers where we, we get to feed uh, the people in the community, but we always attach those to the local church. You'll never see a feeding center without a local church. You'll never see an outreach program without it being attached to the local church because we know it's an it's incredibly important for us to provide for the physical needs of the people, but more important than that is, is the spiritual need of the people. And so what's uh, been really incredible is even this staff here has been able to outreach to the community and things uh, like, you guys are familiar with manna, right? Raise your hand if you've ever heard of manna. Awesome, awesome. So this is one of the, the feeding programs out there. This was the first time that we were able to do a feeding program uh, in, I think it was two and a half years. And so um, it's awesome to do those in-person meals, to be able to, to see the, the children that, you, that you're uh, giving towards. And, uh, and what's awesome is about a lot of these children's parents is a lot of them now are plugged in and serving in the churches uh, like the one there that you see in the photo. 
And so that's just an incredible opportunity. Some of the families that we're able to reach, um, we were able to go into a place called Laguna uh, where uh, Kelsey, who of course has a huge heart for, for moms, especially those uh, who are functioning as single moms. Um, and so this uh, lady who's kind of leaned up against the wall, you'll see uh, she has three kids, um, a father that isn't present, and she lives with her sister. And if you'll notice, this is it. This is just the house that you're seeing in the picture. The only pieces of furniture they have is a mattress that's leaned up against the wall and a crib. And so these are the families that we're able to provide for the, the physical needs. And she's actually plugged into the local church there at Laguna and has been attending faithfully. Uh, at least that's the word that we received when we got to visit there. So that's incredible. These are the types of families that we get to impact. And as we're thinking about unreached people groups. So if you look at this, this map here, um, it's categorized in this way, uh, that the darker the color, the closer to the red, uh, the, le- the less access this country or people groups have to the gospel. So you'll notice the United States, it's very green, uh, while as you look, um, the Philippines is over here in the bottom right-hand side, which is a dark orange, because there are about 30 unreached people groups that have little to no access to hearing about Jesus. And so if you think about uh, Kelsey and I now living in two different places, uh, different Bible belts, uh, as they call it, you could like maybe go outside of the church that you're attending, spin around, blindly throw a rock, and you might hit another church. Like there's a lot of gospel preaching churches here, and that's an incredible blessing of God. But man, there are these people groups in the Philippines with not a single church. Like people have never heard about Jesus before. Uh, and, and one of which that was a tribal area that uh, hadn't had a gospel preaching presence is this tribe called the Dumagat tribe uh, that is in this place called Dararitan, which is about two hours uh, that you would travel in and you would be able to, to see this, which we were there for their seven-year anniversary. This is their beautiful Sunday school uh, that performed an incredibly awesome song for us, made me cry. That's also probably just because I'm an emotional you know, mess. But uh, it was incredible to see how in just seven years, how the gospel of Jesus and this church that was started there has completely transformed a community. And we were really humbled because Kelsey and I were kind of like the guests of honor, and I was able to come in and give a message. And the love offering that they gave us is what really baffled me. Because you're thinking, man, here's this tribe. They don't make a lot of money. A lot of them can't even afford uh, really to provide for their own families. And so the last thing I wanted to do was to take any type of offering from them. But man, even though they have so little, they gave so much. And this was actually the love offering that they gave Kelsey and I. It was eight or nine uh, avocados and a pineapple. Like they literally gave of their first fruits because they had nothing else. And I remember just looking around and Kelsey and I were just so humbled to think, man, what else could we do with our lives? But to see a community transformed by the gospel, so much so that even though they don't have any kind of monetary things to give, man, they would give literally of their harvest because God's worth it. 
And so we're incredibly grateful we got to see this man named Jim Rex. If you're looking for uh, you know, a name for maybe your future kid, Kelsey and I were thinking about it. Not Jim, not a T-Rex, but Jim Rex. You're welcome. Uh, this is Jim Rex who made a profession of faith, and I was able to baptize him uh, there in, in the river. And so uh, the awesome thing about baptisms in the river you never know if you're going to have them when you come up. Like that, that river is rushing. You got to send some people down the ways a little bit. So just in case they get caught by a current, someone's got to catch them. But they already know Jesus. So if we lose them, you know, it's okay. Uh, so we're grateful for uh, the opportunity to be a part of that as well. And what really breaks our hearts uh, is uh, this area called the Mangyan Village. So they kind of live in some uh, huts like this that they fashion together just by the natural resources that are around in, in their village and community. But they don't have a single church there. The government really values education, and so there's a, a, an awesome school, a beautiful school that they've built there, but not a single gospel preaching presence. And so it was difficult and maybe even sounded disrespectful as we've come home and we're talking to our families and friends and they're like, oh my goodness, we're so glad that you're here. We're, we're grateful that you had an awesome trip. Like, are, are you glad to be home? And man, answering that question is difficult because honestly speaking, Kelsey and I didn't want to come back. Because we knew if once we left that village, unless God sends somebody else, there's not a single gospel preaching presence in the Mangyan village here. And that was one of the places that burdened Kelsey and Maya's heart incredibly uh, to be able to go there. And our first year is going to be a lot of language learning. We've got a few things that maybe we've got underneath our belt, but we've got a long way to go before we can speak Tagalog, which is uh, the, the language there. Uh, but man, to be able to learn the Galog and then to start a church in the Mangyan village, that, that's our heartbeat. And we're grateful to even have the opportunity to partner with churches all around the nation who believe in this vision, to send people all around the world to share the gospel. And I'm grateful that this church especially believes in that vision as well as I was able to see even outside and on the walls all the missionaries you support. And man, that is incredible. Sometimes it, it feels like, ah, oh, are we even making a difference? Are we even growing? Are we even seeing a change in our community? And the beautiful thing is because of your sacrificial giving, because of you serving, because of your heart, because of your prayers, God is working all around the world. And you get to be a part of that. In scripture, it talks about there being an, an accreditation to your account on behalf of people sending people like Paul around the world to share the gospel. Your heavenly accounts will be increased because of your sacrifice, because of missionaries all around the world sharing about Jesus. And man, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today as we get uh, into the message. That was all an introduction. Are you guys okay with that? No, don't worry, I, I won't be too, too long. But we, I want to look at with you guys at Psalm uh, chapter 96, just the first three verses. Because if we can understand this psalm, if we can understand the meaning of this psalm and, and really the passion that it gives, you'll understand exactly the heartbeat of Kelsey and I. You'll understand our confidence for Jesus and, and, and God the Father to accomplish his will all around the world, even if it means using jacked up people like us. 
My wife's perfect, but I'm not. You know how it works. But, and so we're, if you guys can understand Psalm 96, man, I think it could give you some passion not only to send missionaries around the world, but to continue faithfully sharing the gospel here in your community. Because God can do it. God can use people like us. We're by no means perfect. We, we by no means have it all figured out. But man, by the power of God and his Holy Spirit, through us, we can change a community. People who were far off from Jesus, because of the power of the gospel, can one day be singing his praise at his throne. And man, isn't that why we exist? To reach the nations with the gospel of Jesus. So I want to read this for us, and then we'll just look at these three verses, and then we'll wrap things up. It says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among what? All the peoples. Man, this, if you're thinking of kind of like a twin brother, the twin brother to Psalm 96, as we see, is in 1 Chronicles chapter 16. But there are some lines, some phrases, some words in this psalm that aren't included in 1 Chronicles 16. And it's because this is a psalm that is looking towards the future. It's prophetic, or in other words, it's taking our eyes, and especially the eyes of its original audience, to look towards the future of what Jesus is going to do when he reigns. And so, man, as we just look at, at these uh, three verses, we're just going to walk through uh, these, and then we'll wrap up. But let me pray for us before we uh, begin to apply God's word to our life. Father, we need you. We're grateful that though we were far from you, many of us here today, Speaking even of myself, with all of the sin that I have, all of the mistakes that I've made, ways that I've sinned against you, Father, you've forgiven me because and through the work of your Son. Thank you for your marvelous works, the things that we just get to stand in awe of, that you would make enemies of yours, children of yours. And so, Father, as, as we read these three verses and an attempt to apply them of our lives, would you encourage us? to the call of global missions? Would you encourage us that you are making a difference and we get to be a part of it? And would you encourage us through the difficulties that we have in our lives that we can look forward to this future time where Jesus will reign in the new heavens and the new earth and we get to be with you forever? We love you and it's in his precious name we pray, amen. So it's about a song. Psalms are a song, and inside this song, it's songception. You've got to follow along with me. Inside this psalm is another song, a song that these people are singing. And when we look at the idea of a song, man, there's incredible benefits that you and I get from singing, from really just music in general. So what's your favorite song? I don't know, maybe there's some people in here who like, man, the 70s. Anyone here like, man, the 70s era, that is incredible. Or maybe you're like, man, I like some of the new stuff. But man, here, here's a conversation that I often have with people. No matter how much of like, you know, the other music that, that is really like fun to sing, there's nothing like a worship song. 
like that can take your eyes off of your present circumstance and put them on a God who is worthy of our worship. And this is exactly what's happening in here. In fact, uh, if we look, there's a study done by the North Shore University Health System. And in this article, they share eight benefits, although I'm only going to name six today, eight benefits to a life spent in music, a life spent in singing, a life spent surrounded by song. The first is, is it keeps your heart healthy. Man, there are literal physical benefits that we can reap from singing, and especially worship. Number two, it elevates our mood. Man, isn't it a beautiful thing that although worship is not about our feelings, it's about worshiping God for who he is, isn't it a blessing that God allows us to feel emotion? Wow, that's incredible. The third thing from this thing that, uh, and this is a secular study, but I love when they show that science really agrees with Scripture and agrees with the Bible. Number three is it reduces stress. Number four, stimulates memories. Man, there is sometimes songs that can play that can take you back. Anybody else, you're like, oh man, I remember when I first heard this song. The fifth thing it can do can help manage pain or even number six, ease pain. So Psalm 96 is a song, it's a psalm that God has preserved. And so the question we ask is why? Like why all this time later, thousands of years later, did the Holy Spirit preserve Psalm 96 for us to sing? And I think it's important for us to understand that if we can lock into what is being communicated here through this psalm, we can then surround our lives in this psalm and in this song to help us in times of great difficulty. But not only that, but to trust that Jesus is in control even when our life seems like it's in utter chaos. I know sometimes like we walk in and we might put on a face or we might put on a smile, but the reality is there's things in our lives that are not going the way that we intended. The reality is and the tension that we see in our lives as we read this song is we live in a broken world. Even looking at your own life, Man, sometimes there are things in your life that aren't going the way that you thought. Maybe, maybe it was marriage. Maybe you're like, man, my marriage isn't as awesome as I would like it to be. Or maybe it's finances. Or, or maybe it's other relationships with other family members. Maybe it's broken relationships with friends that you once thought were so close. All of these things, man, are evidences that our world is broken and it doesn't take but a couple seconds for us to turn on any news station and to see that our world is broken all around the world. It seems like the opposite of what we live, the opposite of what we see, is happening here in Psalm 96. We don't see all of the earth together worshiping God. And that's the tension that we see here. And it's because this reality is to come in the future. And so when they say, sing to the Lord a new song, the question is, man, what are we to sing? It's a new song. But it's not merely like a new melody, new notes, new lyrics. It's a new experience. This new song is going to come about when Jesus reigns over the earth, the new earth. And when Jesus reigns, this is a beautiful truth here this morning, when Jesus reigns, there is only joy. Man, have, 
Have you ever noticed that in your life? Maybe your joy isn't complete because you still live in a broken world right now. But man, even through those difficult circumstances, your joy can be complete in Christ. Man, we suffer different when we have Jesus with us. But this psalm looks forward to a time where Jesus comes and he restores all the broken things. We read in Revelation that he'll wipe every tear from our eye. In eternity, there will be no sin, there will be no division, there will be no gossip or hostility. And the beautiful thing is this new song is this new experience that has never happened before. What is it? It's that when Jesus returns and he restores all things, there will be a new song because of a new redeemed people. And quite literally, all of the earth will sing. Man, we can look forward to that, even in the heartbreak and the turmoil that we feel right now. And so who is to sing? It says, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. And man, there will be a time when history here as we know it will be finished and will go over into eternity. And all the earth is this. All the people who have been forgiven and saved by God now living forever with him in eternity. And we get the answer to man, who who specifically is all this earth? We see in Revelation chapter 7 verses 9 and 10 is that before the throne will be people of every tribe, every nation, and every tongue. So here's the cool part. Man, it's difficult in our lives right now, but maybe what this psalm is trying to get us to see is to get our eyes off of our current circumstance and look to the future that Jesus wins. Isn't it nice to be on the winning team? And sometimes to, to be able to think about it man, it, man, what is a winning team? Sometimes it's helpful to know what, man, what's not a winning team? Just picture in your head the Dallas Cowboys or, or maybe even the Houston Texans. I don't know. But man, we're on the winning team. Jesus wins in the end. We don't have to like cross our fingers and hope that maybe that Jesus will restore all things to him. We know that he will. And here is, here is where we really start to feel the practical everyday tension. The earth is not what we would hope it to be. But one day Jesus will come. So how do we, in this present state that we're at, live knowing that there's this future that isn't come yet? Well, the practical thing is, man, we can share the gospel with our community right now. We can send people all around the world to maybe the 30 unreached people groups into the Philippines or maybe people in Jordan that I saw that you guys have prayed for or maybe it's people even in a a place where you have to be creative as far as sharing the gospel like China. But man, one thing you can know for sure is that one day a new song will be sung And maybe in this choir, with this song being sung, before the throne, in eternity, when all things are perfected, you get to stand next to somebody, maybe from an unreached people group in the Philippines. Why? Well, because you you simply gave. Or maybe it's somebody from Jordan, or maybe somebody from China. And maybe you physically weren't able to go and share the gospel but you can stand next to somebody in heaven who will be there because you gave to a missionary who then went, who then lived their life to share the gospel to an unreached people group. Man, that's the tension. 
We don't work nine to fives just to work nine to fives. We don't get a paycheck just to get a paycheck. We don't go to work just to go to work. We do those because we're joining in on this grand plan that Jesus is going to redeem all things. And man, when we look to the next, maybe we might ask the question why. And this is, this is a quote that has always stuck with me. It says, missions exist because worship does not. There will be no missionaries in heaven. There will be no missionaries in the new heavens and the new earth. It is in this time period that we have an allotted time to share the gospel with people who don't know. Where worship does not exist, maybe in the Mangyan village in the Philippines, that's why missions exist because worship doesn't exist there. But one day it will. Because of Psalm 96, because of Revelation chapter 7, we can be confident in what Jesus is doing. And so how do we get, uh, or maybe after that you're asking the question, man, there's a command to sing, but why? Like, why are we to sing? And this is really the reason that we are in existence today. The reason that we sing, the reason that we share the gospel is for this. To declare his marvelous works or to declare his glory among the nations. We exist for the glory of God. And God gets all the glory when we, as I'll personally speak, because you guys are way more spiritual than I am, when a sinner like me was forgiven by Jesus. Oh man, does that glorify God. When there is a a country or a people group who have never heard of the gospel, who presently are enemies to God, but then God raises up a missionary, sends them, they share the gospel, and because they heard the truth about Jesus, they get to put their faith in Jesus, and it's then that God gets glory in an enemy who is far off, now a child of his, who in eternity will be worshiping with us forever. And so when we think about Psalm 96, how do we get from where we are today? What do we do in the meantime? Before Jesus comes back, before he restores all things, we declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works to all of the people. And so in conclusion, the reason that we are going to the Philippines is exactly for this. Man, we're not perfect. We just want to be obedient. We don't have it all figured out, but God does. We know that we don't have what it takes, but God in his power does, and we can believe in his plan and in his uh, ultimate redemption of all creation. And we look forward to that. And so, man, you're thinking, yeah, but, but, but what about me? Well, I think right here in Pearl, Texas, in 2022, what you can do is pray. Man, prayer is powerful. Would you pray for the people groups around the world? Would you pray that Matthew 9, 38, that God would raise up more laborers to send into the harvest, that maybe God would send missionaries, young people, maybe in your church here today, who will take the gospel to another country? And man, could we be faithful in sharing the gospel with our neighbors here today? Because maybe your neighbor will be in heaven singing a new song because you shared the gospel with them. Jesus will make all things new and there will be a grand choir that we'll all sing with in eternity. But man, let's do our part now. We don't save people. We know God saves people, but it's our job to share the gospel. And in doing that, especially here in this community and even the Filipino 
Filipino people, as you pray for us, could have a new song that they sing in their mouths as they tell of the salvation of the Lord from day to day. And so as we wrap up, I just want to ask the question, is that a song that you think you could sing? Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior, or do you maybe just know about him? The truth of the gospel is this, that although we have sinned, all of us have sinned, the scripture says, that Jesus came, he lived a perfect life, and he died on the cross for the sins. He took on the wrath of God that we deserved so that if anyone would trust in him completely, wholly, he'll save them. And then you can look forward to eternity where all of us will be singing praises, we'll be living together because of the work of Jesus. And would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your goodness towards us. Thank you for giving us Psalm 96. Thank you for showing us that you are mighty and you have a plan and we can trust you. Sometimes it's difficult for us to get our eyes off of our present circumstances because, man, there are things in our lives that are broken relationships, finances. But Father, we know that there is coming a time where you will restore all things, and we look forward to that. Would you help us to be faithful with what you've given us now? We know that we don't go to work just to go to work. We go there to make your name famous. And that's true of the grocery store, and that's true of the blessings that you've given us financially. Would you help us use those to spread your gospel all around the world? And Father, if there's here, uh, somebody here today who doesn't know you, I pray that maybe they would surrender their lives to you. I pray that you would open up their eyes to believe in the gospel and that they would make a decision to follow you. We love you. We're grateful for this time. And it's in his son's name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, as promised, we're going to do question and answer time. So Andrew, if you want to come up here and join me and make sure your mic's still on and um, we'll do a question and answer session. Um, let's see here. So text your questions in, and we'll take care of that. Let's see here. If you can change it to the Q&A slide for me, that'd be helpful. That'd be great. All right. Anybody have a question about the Philippines or anything, you can text that in. There's the number. Um, I'd, um, you said, what was the name of the village that you're going to? Uh, the Mangyang Village. The Mangyang Village. And how many people are in that village? Man, there's probably... It's a pretty small village, like maybe... 100 to 200? Yeah, it's pretty small. One of the 30. Mm -hmm. And you're going to, and they speak Tagala. Yes. Right. How are you doing with that? Uh, okay. Yeah. We're, we're going to be excited to be able to be immersed and then with a tutor, but like we can say basic things like for you guys, so you know, like good morning. And then is like, how are you guys doing? And uh, what's funny, we always teach this to the kids just because it makes them laugh. But if you say, Kamustaka, it's like, how are you? But to say that you're doing good is Mabuti, which sounds like my booty. And all the kids are like, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, parents probably get mad at us. Why is my kid saying my booty? Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. English is their second language. Um, and so you can get by with English, but it's just... Nobody communicates their emotions or their heart in English. So Kelsey and I uh, were able to hang out with some of the staff members. And there was a moment where we were like, oh my goodness, this is why language learning is so important. is because they were laughing and sharing personal stories, even though they all spoke English. 
they were just speaking in Tagalog to each other, and Kelsey and I were like, we have no idea what's going on. And so that's what really solidified for us, man. We got we to gotta learn the language, even though you can get by with English. Yeah. One of the reasons I was excited about y'all coming is just to have young adults who are passionate about serving Christ, because mm-hmm. we have a lot of young adults in our church and a lot of teens. What would you say to them? When, you know, those who are 15, 16, 17, especially a lot of these guys and girls over here, mm-hmm. what, would you, what would you do to encourage them at this age? It's not too long ago you were their, their age. What would, yeah. How would you encourage them? I would say um, be faithful where God has you right now. And um, for me, it, when I was around you know, my teens, really exiting high school, is when I knew that uh, I wanted to be a missionary. It was after taking a missions trip, so maybe on a side note, Take a mission trip. If you haven't taken a mission trip yet, go on one uh, and invite your parents uh, to go with you. Um, And it was after that I figured out that I wanted to do missions, but uh, what somebody said to me is, you won't share the gospel on the mission field if you're not sharing the gospel now. Like there's not like a a switch that just flips. So wherever God has you right now, uh, whether it's sharing about Jesus with people at the park, or uh, maybe you have family members that don't know Jesus, or maybe some of your close friends, um, wherever God has you right now, serve, 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 share the gospel, uh, get plugged into your local church as much as, much as possible, because I think what God really honors is obedience, not perfection, because uh, we, we'll never get there anyways, not until eternity. So be faithful where you're at right now, I would say. Great, great. Um, one of the questions that was left over from last week um, you'll find this one interesting, I think, is I set forth a, a, a theory that I believe that the fall happened within 28 days of the Garden of Eden. Mm. Anybody, now, Seth figured it out. Anybody else figured it out? Why? I think, Jonathan, you figured it out also? Okay, I'm going to let you answer here in a second. Anybody else figured it out why it, it had to have happened within 28 days? All right, Jonathan, you up for answering out loud? The reproductive cycle. So why why is that connected? Yes. Very good. Nailed it. So Adam and Eve were given three commandments. Take care of the garden. Don't, don't eat of the tree. Be fruitful and multiply. If they had disobeyed any one of those three, there would have been a fall. Like if they woke up and said, I'm not taking care of the garden. I mean, that's rebellion, right? Mm-hmm. To, to eat of the tree was rebellion. But also to not be fruitful and multiply, in other words, have relations, would have been rebellion. But it isn't until after the fall that it says Adam knew his wife and she conceived. Now, he knew her before that, but the conception didn't take place until afterwards. So the only reason two biologically perfect people who are having relations don't conceive is because they haven't reached the 28th day of the cycle yet. And so therefore, the the fall, I believe, happened within that time. So there's a good trivia question you can share with your friends. Anybody else have a question that they want to send in? Here we go. There's one. Um, how old do you have to be to be a missionary? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it depends on uh, what exactly you're aiming to do. I think uh, a lot of... Uh, well, I'll say this just as, as a precursor. In order to to be a missionary, um, you've got to share the gospel vocationally as a job um, to a culture that's outside of your own. And so I, I, I and feel free to, 
to give your own definition. But um, so I, I think everyone can be an evangelist. Everyone can share their faith. Everyone can. But um, right now, uh, if you're thinking about you know being a, a youngin, it's your job to be. Uh, underneath your parents and um, obedient to what they're calling you to do. So Kelsey and I technically could have been younger or older. Um, it just, for me, it, it depends on like if your parents aren't going to move across the country with you or maybe they're not going to start ministering to a culture outside of yours, it's probably going to be very difficult for you to be a missionary uh, because you're underneath their, their household. So I wouldn't say there's necessarily a set age, uh, but if you're looking to move elsewhere, um, and I think adulthood, yeah, I wouldn't say it like scripturally, there's not like, oh, got to be this, uh, this age in order to share the gospel cross-culturally. Um, so I, that probably doesn't answer it, but... I think you did. I think yeah. You, yeah to, to make it your life's calling to go outside your culture to another mm-hmm. culture. Now, one way I like to explain it is, um, for example, we're all disciples of Jesus, right? But then there are the disciples, capital D, the 12, right? In a, in a sense, we're all apostles, in a sense, we're all sent. But then there are the apostles, capital A. Um, we are all um, teachers, but then there are those who are called within the body to be teachers. I know you could say in a capital T or pastors in that sense. In the same sense, as we're all missionaries. We're all sent out to go and share the gospel. But then there are missionaries, capital M, who that's their life calling. And so most of the time, the age, there's nothing, like you said, in the Bible that says be a certain age. But you, it's a good idea to go through a missions agency that can help you, mm-hmm. you know. And again, you're through, going through the BBFI, and there's thou, thank the Lord, there's thousands of good Bible believing missions agencies that help missionaries get to the field, and they may have an age requirement. Yeah. And some are different. Some require degrees, some don't. Some yeah. require different ages, and so you just need to work with the one that's best for you. But there's no official yeah. age for that. Sometimes when you start, sometimes when you. Uh, maybe you're asking that, that question, it's because you have this like really intense passion to, to reach people. And so my encouragement would be don't lose that passion because sometimes the process takes a little bit longer than you think. But man, I, I'm sure glad God delayed uh, when I was really a missionary because when I surrendered, if you can say that, uh, was around six or seven years ago. And so now hopefully Kelsey and I will get to go in July or August, which is almost another year. But I think there's this time where God equips you, where had God sent me seven years ago, I I would have been a disaster, Um, less than I am already right now. And so I'm grateful that God kind of brought me through a season of of teaching, and I got practical ministry experience, and I got to study. So I think there is an important process to go through uh, where you need a little bit more than just passion. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Um, Do uh, most Filipinos have Bibles of their own? I guess the the answer to that would be like which one? Uh, there are there are a lot of different things out there. There there is a Tagalog version of the Bible, uh, which is funny because a lot of the times when we're in services, they do the verses in English. It's just because a lot of like if you could say like the religious words are so long. Um, I'm gonna butcher this. I don't really know it off the top of my head, but faith is like pananampalatayo or some something of the like sounds like that. So they would just say faith. Um, so a lot of them can read an English Bible, uh, but whether or not they actually have one, I guess is just maybe dependent on if your family is identifying really with Catholicism or if you're in uh, one of the, the gospel preaching churches there. So, Very good. All right. Anybody who texted a question that didn't come through? Okay, you can raise your hand. All right. So, hey, again, let's give uh, the Perez's a hand. Welcome. We're glad they're here this morning. 
if you and Kelsey will go to your table back there, if, go by and, and look at their material there. Take one of their prayer cards. Let them know that you're going to pray with them and for them and thank them for being here this morning. Let's go ahead and stand. And uh, let's, let's thank the Lord for what he's done here this morning and to go forward with his blessings. Father, thank you so much for the gospel. Thank you for this young couple who have given their lives to share uh, with the Filipino people in this particular village that just does not have a gospel presence. Father, I pray that uh, you would use them to go into there and to share the love of Jesus. We thank you for missionaries around the world who have dedicated themselves to the cause of Christ, that they'll be obedient to go into all the world and share the gospel with every living creature and to baptize them in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that we would be faithful to our mission field here in Brookside Village in Pearland and, and, and South Houston. And Father, I just pray that you would help us each to be missionaries in our own world, in our own field, and to share the love of Jesus with those we come in contact with. So Father, we thank you for Christ. Thank you for the body of Christ here at Revolution Church. Thank you for the family that we experience here and the love that is so obvious here in this place. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.